Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to a different creative person every week, and this week my guest is Christopher Lloyd Bratton. He is the music director, arranger, and co-creator of the For the Record series of stage extravaganzas here in Los Angeles, and I am obsessed with these shows. Um, I saw my first one right before Christmas. It was the Baz Luhrmann show. They... Every show, they take a different filmmaker and then do this wonderful staged musical mashup of all their music from their films. So I saw the Baz Luhrmann one right before Christmas. I went with my friend Benji, and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. This is so good. So since then, they've done um, a new show called uh, Dear John Hughes, which is a celebration of all John Hughes's music from his films. And uh, I saw that show, and it's amazing, too. Um... I am obsessed, and I was like, I want to get one of those people on the show. So I reached out, and I was able to get the musical mastermind behind the show, Christopher, who we'll get to in a second. But first, I want to mention that uh, if you love this podcast, and I hope you do, uh, tell your friends. You can also go to DennisAnyone.net and check out some fun stuff that goes with the podcast. Um, If there's ever any pictures that go with certain interviews. And in this particular interview, I took a picture of the tattoo, which we will be discussing. So you can see the tattoo. And uh, other fun stuff at DennisAnyone. You can also email me there. Or you can uh, make a nice donation to help me keep the podcast free. And I'd like to thank Aaron Williams out there for the nice little uh, ping in the tip jar. It, uh, it helps a lot, and I really appreciate it. Uh, that's enough for the plugs. Let's get right to the guy. Um, I, again, I'm obsessed with these shows. And the good news is they're not just in L.A. They're starting to have pop up somewhere else. I don't know if, if uh, anything's... Uh, they've done them in Montreal. They've done them there. And so... Keep an eye out for For the Record, and you can always check their website, which is fortherecordlive.com. So anyway, here is Christopher Lloyd Bratton. Hey there, I am in the Los Angeles uh, recording studio, I guess, of our (laughs) guest today, Christopher Lloyd Bratton. He is one of the creators of the For the Record stage extravaganzas, which I am currently obsessed with, which are uh, running in L.A., and we'll give you all the details about that. But thank you for having me, Christopher. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Now, how long have you had this little sweet setup here in... We're kind of in the Larchmont area, I guess. Yeah, it's actually technically St. Andrew's Square, but... I've never heard of St. Andrew's Square. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I've been here for about six months. Okay. great. I have some great roommates. It's awesome. Awesome. You're living the life. you got your musical dreams happening back here. Yeah. Now, when you have, like, your studio separate from where you live, does it feel like, okay, that's where I go to work, and then mm-hmm. you leave it at the door, and then you go home? Do you know, is there, or is it all your life, and it's all mixed up? I, I would say most of my time I spend, actually, in my bedroom at yeah. my computer, at my yeah. desktop. <laughs> Here, I just, I come into the studio to practice and and do, like, more creative stuff, but when sure. it's, like, work time, I'm either right. at a coffee shop or in my bedroom. Right on. I get it. Um, now, for the record... Uh, is a series of stage extravaganzas that happen here in L.A. Uh, they're currently showing at the DBA space in Hollywood, which is near West mm-hmm. Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, describe for the listeners what the For the Record brand is and what the shows are like. Uh, the For the Record brand is... Uh, it's. <laughs> I always have trouble putting it into like a succinct uh, you know, soundbite, but it's essentially taking the the film work um, of a particular director. And uh, I I like to think of it as creating a collage 
Right. You know, like kind of like sort of a, a mashup. Yeah, yeah, a mashup of all of their movies or, or a certain section of their movies, but telling the stories through their soundtracks. Right. So we take the soundtracks of the movies, make them sort of like the feature. Right. And, and you, you go through this sort of like nostalgic romp through, you know, all these movies that, that you may or may not know and music that you may or may not know. Um and it kind of just takes you on this, you know, fast and furious ride through, you know, John Hughes or, or Tarantino or Baz Luhrmann. You know? Right. Who else have you done? Have you done Scorsese? We have done Scorsese. Uh, Paul Thomas. This is like naming the dwarves. Right. I always forget one. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson. Okay. Um, Gary and Penny Marshall. You did Gary and Penny Marshall? We did. That's it's really crazy. Fun. And he came and of he had Of course. Such a he's great the nicest time. guy. He is the nicest guy. What was he like? He was awesome. I mean, he 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 was crying at one point. He was he just said it was like watching his life flash before his eyes. Right. Um it was I'm a, lot a of huge fun. fan of Gary Marshall. Oh, I think yeah. he's a fun man. Yeah, he he was he was a sweet guy. So currently running in Los Angeles is uh, Dear John Hughes, mm-hmm. your homage to um, John Hughes. And I discovered it. I had a, It's been on my radar for a while, but I didn't go see it until the fall when I saw the Baz Luhrmann show at DBA. Right. And I went with my friend Benji. It was right before Christmas. And I couldn't believe that I hadn't been yet. And I wanted to just mainline the whole thing right into my veins. I kept looking at him <laughs> like, I can't believe how good this is. Oh my God, they're so amazing. And then act one ended. And if that had been the show, I would have been like, that was amazing. Nope. You're going to come back and you're going to give us more amazingness. So I want for the record to be like what Beach Bank and Babylon was to San Francisco, that show that you go see when you're in that city. Right. And so I'm doing my part in my little way. (laughs) It made me proud of Los Angeles. I was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. Did it. The shows are very ambitious. Two acts. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> were they always that ambitious? Or did you start with like, you know what, let's do a nice hour, get in and out. Uh, we don't need to stage it too much. Yeah. And did, were they always as ambitious as they ended Absolutely up being? Absolutely not. I, I mean, they, they always feel rather ambitious, but like, right. you know, every time, you know, we, we, we do a new show, we always set the bar a little higher for ourselves. Right. So it's, it's, we're constantly, you know, making it harder and harder to do these shows. Um, but it pays off. It pays off in, in, in the production value. But when we started, it was literally, uh, you know, a lineup cabaret show. Right. That's what I thought I was going to get. Like somebody's going to come on and sing a song from Moulin Rouge. Then some other guy's going to come on and sing a song from Strictly Ballroom or whatever. Yeah. And what it is, is it's almost like the storytelling is happening from the films, but there's four different films or more being told at one time. And then little things will echo with other things. It's just this completely realized um, mashup experience that is so brilliant. So it started a little more. Yeah, it was uh, more straightforward. More like you know. And next up is so right, right, right. singing you know <laughs> such and such from this movie. Right. And and they would say a few you know we we inserted a few you know iconic lines right. throughout the show just to sort of like give you yeah. that flavor. I want to dance my steps my way at the Pan Pacifics. Right, exactly, Something exactly. Like that. Yeah, I mean, stuff that you, you know, people yeah. would, would recognize. And like, oh yeah, that's funny. That I, that Max, that wasn't bad. Normally, I can't do it. I can't do it on a certain Usually, everything, I, everything sounds like Cher, but I just want to own that. I kind of crush that. <laughs> that um, was incredible. So then you started doing more and more sort of integrating text and drama. Mm-hmm. And were they always that long? No, no. Well, I mean, I, I honestly can't remember how long they were. They, They've never been 
over you know more than a couple hours it's usually like an hour and a half um, right but like when we started doing more of the the sort of like the through line and the arc and yeah. creating the, the more of a structure to it then we inserted an intermission and it felt a little more like a show yeah and anderson davis our director and right. business partner is, has been an integral part of like you know helping craft the direction that the shows have evolved into um in terms of like extracting you know that sort of thread where you know right. how we tie all the movies together um, and he's really great at sort of adapting the scripts in a way that, that really, y- y- it's not that there's, there's a story. It's just that you, you see how there's all this connective tissue between the movies, yes. you know, and it, and it sort of shows you that the director has a very clear voice, yeah. you know, even if the movies are very different, you know, you take someone like, like the Coen brothers, for instance, where their right. movies are like, you know, across the board, like right. they're very different, but you know, when you watch them all together, and you see them sort of like spliced into one another. You see, oh, they have a very distinct. They have a world style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And it's true with every director. You know? Now, when you took on like John Hughes is one of the ones you created more recently. Well, it was actually one of our first ones. Oh, okay. It's one of our oldest shows. Okay. Uh, you know, Tarantino was our first, and then John Hughes was our the very second oh, show okay. that we ever did. But again, like it was a it, it wasn't was, <laughs> this version that we saw now. It was a very different version. I mean, it was pretty much a different show. Okay. So this version of the show, it, it feels like a new show. It, okay. It's the first time we focus on just the teen movies. Um, you know, the, the sort of brat pack, right? Uh, uh, you know, group. Um, and it's the first time we've we've told the stories through these sort of iconic. Um, John Hughes stereotypes, right? Know, the art or archetypes, really. Right. In the program, it'll say the character's name is the Brain, and yes. he plays like Ferris Bueller, and he plays, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Brain Ducky, from, and yeah, yeah he right. plays all those guys. And the, yeah. one of the actors that's playing it is my friend Alex Weiss, oh, who crushes good. it. I'm so proud of him. <laughs> um, but if you were going to take a new director and start from scratch, what's the first thing you guys do? Do you watch all the movies? We watch all the movies, and then we. Um, again it's all about the soundtracks that right. that was that was the crux of it from the beginning and that's always where we start is the music because ultimately the sh- these shows are about the music um it, so you'd start by listening to a soundtrack or watching a movie like well i mean both really watching the movie but like with the soundtrack in, in mind, mind yeah. and then, you know we, we buy the soundtrack and, and we listen to those tracks um you know look it up on imdb to figure out you know what right. is hidden in there um and yeah, and then we start looking at it, but again, like through the eyes or the ears of the music that was chosen and married to these scenes. Right. And, and so we start with a playlist. Is, right. Is really these the, are the, the songs we want to do. Yeah. yeah. And then we start thinking about the iconic scenes and the iconic characters and like the stuff that you can't live without. Right. We can't then, not do the mm-hmm. dance from Pulp Fiction. We can't not do that. Right. And then you start looking for like crossover things, you know, like there's like musical crossovers, like... And when we did our Zemeckis show, right. it was great to sort of um, uh, marry the themes of, like, Contact and Forrest Gump, because, you know, it was right. by the same composer, and just to sort of do little, like, little inside things like that. Or right. Pull, you know, Tarantino's, like, there's a ton of them, like, because he course. loves sort of, like, you know, cross-pollinating <laughs> all of yeah. his movies. And just looking for ways to sort of um, see a bigger, see the bigger picture. You know? Right. And you start crafting the show and figuring out, okay, we need six, we're going to need six actors to tell this particular thing right because i think john hughes versus baz there were different numbers in the cast yeah baz has uh seven no wait eight no nine. i think oh, there's like seven. there's like eight couples for sure and then oh, yeah, i felt yeah. like there it's were a couple nine. of extra there's people nine. yeah there's nine um yeah there's there's the the, the four couples from yeah. each movie uh each of the four movies and then there's zidler who's sort of like you know, right. the, the you know puppet the mc, MC. Yeah. MC. 
Um, but yeah, John Hughes is a smaller cast. It's uh, three girls, no, wait, four girls, three girls, and four guys. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but they all get mixed up in that. You, you guys are sort of like, you go all the way with it. Like, they're doing some kind of wonderful in the John Hughes thing. You yeah. could have easily just said, you know what, we're just going to do Pretty in Pink and Breakfast mm-hmm. Club and Sixteen Candles, call it a day. But no, you're like, we're getting weird science in there. We're getting yeah. some kind of wonderful in there. We're going to have a big drum moment. Uh-huh. So, well, for, there's the, like for your, a lot of people, like your, those are you like... You don't cut corners, is my point. Well, yeah. And, and you know, for a lot of people, though those are the movies that that people really love you know yeah. i can't tell you how many times people have said specifically about some kind of wonderful i'm so glad you put that movie in there right. or like strictly ballroom with baz you know yeah. they, they tend to get sort of like you know right put on put off to the side or forgotten but they're such great films right and there's a there's a huge portion of you know lerman fans or hughes fans that love those those movies in particular right i feel like if you're a fan of that thing you're gonna get your thing whatever your yeah. thing is yeah you're gonna get it absolutely um so that's now, and then you start auditioning actors, local mm-hmm. talent. I can't believe how good everyone is. Yeah, I mean, can you believe how good they are? No, they, they're, all, they're constantly most of surprising. them are like Broadway people, right? A lot of them have done Broadway or some. Uh, yeah, I guess most of them, but there, there's some that like have never who who are just not in the theater world at all. You know, like um, you know James Bias, for instance. He's yeah. this, he's this amazing singer songwriter. But he just happens to be this incredible actor and this incredible, you know, captivating performer on stage and has, like, all the right skill sets. But he's by but no he's not, means a he's theater not, guy. He doesn't have a headshot in his trunk. He's not auditioning. Right, right, like, exactly. And some people, you know, they used to do it back in the day, but now they're out here doing other things. Right. But, you know, but there, there's a large portion of people who, yes, they, they were in the Broadway scene and they're in L.A. to do film and TV. But this gives them an opportunity to still, like, exercise the, you know... That sort of theater skill set and, and and play in that world. Everyone looks like they're having a great time. Oh yeah, yeah. They're all like loving it. And it's here's the fun. other thing: everyone is sexy. <laughs> is that everyone on stage, the band, the waitresses, the yeah. cocktail? Everyone is hot. Yeah. <laughs> that's, you've that's, noticed that, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's not like a criteria, but you know, we we, we certainly go for people who who fit the type of character that we're looking right. for. Um, so it's usually dictated by by the movies, right? Um, but I think it's more just about their energy, you know. Like when they get on stage and and, and they have this sort of confidence and, and and they have that sort of interaction, this very intimate interaction with the audience, right? It kind of has this very sexual nature to it, or you know, it's so horny. It's like it's a lot, <laughs> and you. It's the kind of show where you go and you wonder who's uh, hooking up with who and what the soap opera behind oh, the scenes dear. is. Is there a lot? I I plead the fifth on that. <laughs> but I would imagine, we'll you know, backstage people. Yeah, you know? I mean, in any sh- in every show, that there's always showmances. There's always yeah. you know, behind all right. the scenes. <laughs> and then there's like they're all good at everything. Like I remember seeing Baz, and there's one guy that doesn't have a big solo for a while. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh well, he must be just like the 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 singer that's okay. Yeah. And then, then he starts into Roxanne, and you're like, holy shit, I was yeah. wrong about him. Like, yeah. every one of them are showstoppers. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, they, they kind of need to be. Because, right. you know, we're not, you know, a Broadway show that, that can rely on, you know, like an ensemble to, to fill in all the harmonies and, and, you know, all these extra parts. Like, every single person, we have such a small cast, it's like seven to nine people, and they all have to carry equal weight in the show. So right. everyone is dancing, everyone is singing backups for everybody else, everyone is doing every role and singing every song. It's like, you know, 
every person is featured. Yeah, and that, they're right degree. in the audience with you, climbing mm-hmm. over banquettes and singing on benches and like it's so like they're all in there they got their headset on and they're mm-hmm. killing it all mm-hmm. of them all the time yeah they're crawling all over the tabletops and <laughs> it's amazing drinking your drinks and eating your food yeah i want to talk about my rumor willis renaissance okay because i fell in love with her through your shows yeah she's great she's great like i she'd been on my radar and i'd seen her in you know magazines and things like that she's great mm-hmm. and i was like she's great and now she's on Dancing with the Stars, and I'm in yeah, love with her. It. She's killing it. Yeah. But what I love most about her is that she seemed to love being in the mix with everyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, that... You, I think you have to be... I don't think you can be a big diva or... I don't know. I think you have to, to get into the summer camp oh, yeah. spirit of it, right? Yeah. You, I mean, a diva would never survive in, in For the Record. They, they just... That's just not the environment that we create, and that's right. not the mentality that everybody has. I mean, and not just just the cast, but the band and the the, the technical team. Like everybody, we're just one big family, right? And, and that's something that that has been the most valuable part for the record. And that I hope that we never lose as we start like expanding and growing bigger. That it always maintains that sense of camaraderie. You know, now, how and you, in addition to being the musical director or playing the piano, you're one of three creators. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are the other two? Uh, uh, Shane. Okay. Uh, Shane Shale is okay. our producer, and, um, and Anderson Davis is our director. And you collaborate creatively mostly with Anderson. Uh, we all three do. All I mean, creative, it's, it's, in it's terms very, of like conceiving the shows and stuff like that. Yeah, in terms of conceiving the shows, and then you know, in the actual production, we also have a fourth business partner, Siobhan O'Neill. Um, who lives in New York, and she helps, you know, take the shows to these these new heights. Um, but the three of us, Shane, Anderson, and myself, were the, the creative team. What is it like for you as a musician to be like, okay, now i got to think like a businessman. Mm-hmm. Do you, how often do you have to, like, weigh in on business decisions? Which, what do you think of this theater, of this venue? It costs this much. Can we do that? Are you learning a lot, or is that... Oh, yeah. it, Do you take to it naturally? Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I take to it naturally. I mean... I, I I consider myself more on the creative end of the spectrum, just innately. Right. Um, so I guess I would say no. It's not natural for me to have to approach these things from a business standpoint. Right. But it's necessary. You know, we all we all um, are our business partners, so we all contribute to that conversation. Right. You you, you would have to weigh in, even if it's not yeah. your your area. Yeah. Um, now, do the actors get paid? How does that work? Because yeah. they're so fucking good. Yeah, they do get paid. Good, they should. They get paid well. <laughs> good, I'm glad. They deserve it. Absolutely. They're awesome. Yeah. Now, I understand that Baz is going to be in Vegas. I heard rumors. Is that true? Has uh, that been announced or just a, is that just a rumor that I heard when I was at the show? Um, it's a rumor. Okay. But you're smiling. <laughs> that would be really cool. And then you've it also done... Cool. I've read, you've done, you've taken some of these on the road. Where have, where yeah. have the shows played? Uh, oh my gosh. Well, we've played New York. We played, um, What did you do in New York? We did actually, an, uh, one of our older versions of John Hughes, we okay. did at the City Winery. Okay. For one night. It was like two shows in one night. It was crazy. Um, we've done South by Southwest. Awesome. Uh, we've done Montreal. Very Montreal cool. The Montreal Jazz Festival. We're going again this year. Love it. Um, Oh my god, we did, you did Chicago, we did right? Chicago, with yeah. John Hughes. I remember everyone. But when you go to a city, you just do like a weekend or a few nights, or do you run for a while? Yeah, well, Chicago was our our most recent, like, yeah. and our longest uh, out of town um, sit down, and it was two weeks. And you take all your actors from here, and go. Everyone goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not like you get new people out there. No. Mm-mm. Wow. Yeah. What's your favorite show to do? 
as a pianist. <laughs> um, I mean, our, our favorite current show right now for me is Baz Luhrmann, just because yeah. I get to, you know, I'm on a grand piano and, it, and it's very piano driven. So, you know, personally, I have a lot of fun with it. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I've seen Baz and John Hughes. And Baz, for me, there's something about the theatricality uh-huh. and the emotion of it. Yeah. I, it's just a more emotional experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, come what may, I'm a wreck right out the gate when they start into that. Yeah, I think Baz will always be at the top. But, I mean, I, they're all my favorites and for different reasons. Right. You know, Tarantino is, is, is really fun yeah. uh, in, in a very kind of, like, edgy way. I haven't seen that yet. Are you going to bring it back? It'll, I mean, they'll all come back at some point, okay. for sure. Um, Tarantino is one of our, you know, our top, our, our top uh, sellers, for sure. Uh, but the, sort of my, like, my, my secret, not secret, but, like, you know, my other favorite uh, is Scorsese. Just, yeah. just musically, it's so satisfying. It's really fun to play. What are the big Scorsese songs? Because I don't think music in Well, a lot of If I think Rolling about Stones. it, I can come up. Okay. Uh, a lot of Rolling Stones, a lot of Rat Pack. Right. Um... And then, you know, like classic rock. Okay. You know, it's like classic rock and Rat Pack. It's sort of like the two, you know, two leading players. Um, but there, there were some really fun arrangements that, that I was able to do for that. And it's just such a cool show. Right. You know, so I'm excited to, to bring that one back. Now, it started at Rockwell, am I right? Mm-hmm. Or did it start somewhere else? Which yeah. is one club in one part of town. And now it's in a place called DBA. Yeah. Which I feel, that's where I saw it. I think it's the perfect place for it. How do you feel about this space? I love the space. Yeah. I really, really do. It, it, it's it's like it's the right size to where, you know, it's big enough to sort of um, uh, allow for the expansiveness of the show. Yeah. But there, you still have that sense of intimacy and connection to what's happening. You know, right. so it doesn't seem like they're, they're, the show's happening over there or, right. or like you know, you know, a mile away. Like it's like right. It's in right there. Place, no matter where you are in the room. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Now, um, have ra- audience members ever gotten rowdy or crazy? Because you can see oh. people there that are like, clearly it's like bachelor party night or, you know, or bachelorettes uh, or, you know, they're drinking. What's the craziest thing that audiences have done? Uh, oh, my God. The craziest thing. Or the kinds of things that they do. I mean, it's it's really just like not knowing when... You- <laughs> We used to have this thing where we would say, like, you know, you are not the show. <laughs> it's would somebody calm like, them down? Well, yeah, I mean, what's great is, like, the actors have gotten really good at, like, staying in character, but finding ways to sort of, like, shut someone down in a very right. polite, you know, in-character way, which is always right. kind of fun to watch. And it actually does sort of add this element of unpredictability, you know, because you never know how the audience is going to behave. And sometimes they're really rowdy. You, you add alcohol to anything and they right. get, you know, crazy. And they just sometimes don't know where that line is of, like, how participatory to be. Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, very common. But, you know, for the most part, the audiences are, are great, and we love the energy. Like, it's, it's actually very important that they do feel that it's not this, you know, sit down, shut up, and, and clap at the end of song sort of show. It's, right. it's, it's you know, you, you're, you need to be a little rowdy. You need to be a little energetic. You need to, you know, like in John Hughes, we love it when they call out a line that they know, you it's know, they know the response to. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Great. yeah. Who are some of the famous people that have come to see your show? Because, like, you said Gary Marshall came. Did Tarantino come to his? Yeah, he's been several times, actually. Yeah, he What loves is that it. like when you know he's there? Well, the he first must... time he ever came, we didn't know. Oh, like, wow. Like, he just showed up. That's amazing. <laughs> this is, like, five years ago in our very first show ever. Right. And he just walked in the door with Rosario Dawson, you know, on, on, on his side. And it was just like... And you just uh, started doing it. Yeah. But wow. he had a great time. And he's, he's, he, our most recent production here at DVA, he came several times. He brought Harvey Weinstein. I mean, he loves it. He has a great time. 
That's so cool. Oh, it's such yeah. a homage. It's such a tribute. Oh, yeah. And then I you mean, you do go all the way with the costumes and the yeah. fight scenes. And oh, yeah. You have full-on fight scenes and guns and... Swords and guns and, and knives and... Uh, yeah, it gets intense in Tarantino, for sure. Wow. Everybody dies, like, at least three times. <laughs> I know. How, what about uh, Bass? Has he ever been? Has he ever, has Bass, he ever been yeah. in Los Angeles? He hasn't been to, to this most recent production, but right. he, has, he, he came to the one uh, that we did at Rockwell. That's cool. And again, he loved it. Like, he, you know, stood up at the end and, and gave a speech. Uh, I think it's on YouTube somewhere. It's, it's oh, my gosh. He, he really I got to look at that. It. Yeah, he had a great time. That's so cool. Now, Evan Rachel Wood, the actress... Yes. Is yeah. currently in. Is she currently doing the John Hughes show? She sure is. I gotta come and see her in it. She is incredible. Like she, she, she blew me away with her, her, just her dedication to it, uh, um, and the fact that you know, like you know, like we were talking about earlier, she kind of just jumped into the whole camaraderie thing. There was no like. I'm different than you. Or yes. it was just Where's like, my dressing room? Yeah, yeah. She's she's the most down to earth and fun and talented. Uh, you know, one of the most fun down to earth talented performers that we've ever had the pleasure of working with. And she's 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 great. I mean, how does she night, come to be in it? She came to see a show. Her okay. and um, one of her um, co stars from Across the Universe, TV Carpio. Okay, um, they both came to see. I think Tarantino one night, right. and they they both afterward approached Shane. We're like, we want to be in this. So TV ended up in our Baz Luhrmann show. Oh, who did and, he play? Uh, she. Oh, she. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, TV. Uh, she was the Fran character. Okay, great. Um, and then uh, Evan ended up in John Hughes. And she plays which part? She plays the basket case. The same as is, Rumor. Yes, yeah, Okay, as Rumor. nice. Mm-hmm. Now, has Rumor been doing the show since she's been doing Dancing with the Stars, or is she like, all? she's got to be on Dancing with the Stars all the she, time? I think she's, I mean, that is very time-consuming. Of course. Uh, and, yeah, she, I think she was on one night, like, since she's been in Dancing yeah. with the Stars, but she's you know, had to focus on that. So of course. Demand. Has she, have you managed to get your show into any of her clip packages? Like, you know how when they go into people's lives... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that I should to be... Find, to find out. <laughs> I feel like we should see that. We should yeah. see her in her natural habitat. Yeah, I mean, I remember when they were filming, like, the, you know, the the very first, uh, like, you know, when, when she meets Val... Right, right, right. ...and, and her, her dance partner... Um, they'd filmed that at DBA and, okay. and I think, I think they were in Chicago when we were doing our Chicago run. Cause she was up there. I think okay. I was there and filming some stuff. So I'm sure it's probably been mentioned at some point. But right, right, right. I don't remember. Have Bruce and Demi been? I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Demi is like, a super I'm sure fan. she's all about it. She is like the best stage mom. I love her. <laughs> What's she like? She's great. Like she's just she, into it. She was there like hanging out during rehearsals. Like right. she comes and she brings tons of people and she loves rumor. I mean, she's very supportive. She's I'm all about nice. rumor. I think she's so great. Yeah. And I feel like she's somebody that had to sort of really find her own thing. And I just admire her. Like she, you know, she got kind of, she, it's easy to get sort of dismissed when your parents are really famous. Yeah. You, and I love how this. she's sort of evolved. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, she's under this sort of, like, microscope, you know, when you've got yeah. parents, like, like she's got, I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the public eye is very scrutinizing. Right. You know, and I can't imagine what that must be like, you know, to have to step on stage and know that people are sort of analyzing you, expecting certain things right. more than, you know, the next person. Uh, but she, she totally lives up to those expectations, I think. Yeah, she's awesome. What's the craziest thing that's gone wrong? Has, has, there, has there ever been, like, people falling? Or I'm sure anything could happen. To, I mean, there's been plenty. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, we've had an actor step off stage and sprain his ankle. We've had, you know... Have you ever <laughs> I, had I probably shouldn't sh- tell this story, but, like, 
our, our director, back when he was in the shows as an right. actor, he accidentally um, almost set himself on fire during a show. Well, that happens. <laughs> it was during our Scorsese show, and there was a, just a scene from um, Gangs in New York where that involves a flaming, uh, you know, cocktail. Right. And, and, you know, he goes to blow it out, and it, it, that just... It didn't. <laughs> it did, did you keep go going? Well. We did. We did. We managed to, to uh, you know, recover after right. you know realizing that everybody's fine. Right. <laughs> but it was a little frightening. But it was a moment. Like it, it was definitely. If you went to the show moment. as an audience, you saw like, oh, that was supposed to happen. But that's live theater. There you go. <laughs> now I heard at Rockwell that you would literally do things outside the windows. Was that part of oh, yeah. the staging of it? Yeah, I think Jason Page, uh, one of our performers, was the one who kind of originated that because <laughs> he's very like he was climbing a tree i heard or something yeah there was just one night we were doing baths and he like you know we heard his voice and we we're all looking around and we suddenly realized he's outside in the tree singing you know the part of the moon you know right in baths it's it was crazy and the sound works still you could still hear yeah. it and all that yeah now what do you you guys dress up the band goes all the way there yeah with it. Uh-huh. yeah what do you what's your favorite thing that you wear in any of the shows what well, well my my favorite uh, and also my least favorite thing <laughs> simultaneously is what, what we're wearing now. Yeah, it's very tight, as I recall. Oh, my gosh. Well, when Steve, Steve Masaryk, our, um, our costume designer, he, he showed me the, the outfit. It's like, you know, silver spandex pants. Right. And, you know, no shirt, but like a, a, a you know, this turquoise leather, turquoise, you know, fake leather jacket. It's like, right. it's very, I, I mean, pretty much everybody who come up comes up to me after the show, like, the first thing they comment on is my pants. They're like, and those are some pants. I'm like, I know. Right. It's part of the deal. <laughs> but I've gotten used to it. It's really fun. I mean, yeah. I, there you go. You just get into it. Is, your, is there a favorite moment of a show that you just, I just love this moment, or you really feel like you <clears throat> I mean, get chills, or... Over the love in, in Baz. Like, the, the, the close to closing number, the sort of, like, 11 o'clock number... Um, What's that from? Over the Love. Over the Love. It's a Florence and the Machine song from The Great Gatsby. Okay. Uh, And the um, Daisy character sings it. And it's like the big, epic power ballad. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I mean, where she's just belting her face off. Yeah. uh, I mean, the song is is incredible. Like, it's one of my favorite songs. It's so well-written and so powerful. And I love that moment. It's, It's, you just feel like... Like, it's so fun to watch audience members' faces during that, because they're right. just, they have, they, they, it's like, they, they become unaware of themselves, because they're so wrapped up in the moment. Right. They just have these amazing looks on their face. I love it. And Baz is currently running now on it is, Thursdays. on Thursdays. Yeah. And then John Hughes... Friday, Friday through Friday, Sunday. Friday through Sunday. Yeah. Now, this is a pretty consuming job, I, I would imagine. Do you, do you do other things on the side? I'm sure you do, but is this kind of like your main job, and then you, you do things... Here and there. Yeah, I mean, this is pretty much it. it yeah. Uh, and it's a lot. It goes from varying degrees of, of, of busy to, like, you know, just swamped. Um, I, I very rarely get to do other things. Right. Uh, but that's, I mean, I shouldn't say it that It's way. a good problem to have. I, I am perfectly happy doing this. It's so fulfilling. How uh, long have you guys, when was the beginning of it? How long have you guys been doing it? It was five this? years ago. Five years ago. Yeah. And when did you first get into music? When you were... How old? Oh, I was 12 when I started taking piano lessons. Really? Pretty late, though. Very late, yeah. 
you know, I think I got in, I played, you know, fifth grade. I remember my mom putting me in piano lessons, but yeah. most, like, that's pretty late. It is pretty late. Did but you I, take to it right away? I did. That's the thing. And I think, you know, having, and it was my decision to, to right. take piano lessons. So I think that's sort of what propelled me and helped me catch up to. You know, right. It was your idea. It wasn't like when they were four, your mom you know. put you in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I loved I loved it since the minute I started. Wow. Yeah. Where, where did you grow up? Southern Illinois. Okay, nice. So when did you go to Chicago when with the John Hughes show? Did yeah, you have any of your peeps come? Yeah, I had some high school friends come up, which was it was such a trip. It was great to see them, but it was like I have I haven't really been back in you know right. since I graduated. <laughs> so it's been a minute. Um yeah, it was it was crazy. It was That's fun. That's cool. And then after high school or college, did you go to college? I went to college right out of high school and okay. then dropped out. <laughs> moved to California right a few years go by and then I went to college again in Hollywood um at the Musicians Institute and that's that was sort of where I kind of found your yeah I found way my yeah how long of a program is that uh, it's a bachelor's degree so it's okay a, it's, it's a four year, year but awesome. I, I had some credits transfer so I was done in like two and a half that's cool yeah and where is it where is the campus at it's here? like right on Hollywood Boulevard right. just east of Highland so you, were you like, I'm a musician in Hollywood, man. Was it kind of glamorous <laughs> and cool uh, going I mean, to school there? Was it like fame or something? Not, not really. I mean, first of all, when you move, when I moved to Hollywood in 2001, right, which was a very different place. I mean, it, yeah. it was a lot uh, scarier back then. <laughs> so what I mean, were your first impressions of LA when you got here? What do you remember about? first getting here oh i loved it i mean the right. minute i i got here I, I knew i was home and i've never looked back and i've loved every minute of it since i've been out here for 15 years right um but yeah i mean hollywood you know i i, I the glamour had had dissipated like right well hollywood now there's so many nice buildings well and now it's and great things. yeah but at yeah. that time oh my god our, our my old apartment building is fan i wish i'd never left right <laughs> um but yeah i mean i was going to mi it, it wasn't like you know, to be a star, I just, I wanted to be a better musician. And I knew that that was a place that I could do it. Right. It was a great reason. When you first came out here, what was the dream? Just to learn about music? To be, uh, you know, sadly, an like, artist, a composer? Uh... I didn't know. I, right. I, it was, it was, it was less moving towards something as, as it was moving away from something. I just felt like I needed to get away from Southern Illinois. You know, I was yeah. in a very small town and I was, you know, in not the greatest life situation. And I was just, I just need to, so sort of wipe the slate clean and start, start fresh. Start fresh. Reinvent. So that's what, what. Yeah, reinvent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice. Did you grow up in a big family or a small family? Or no, very small. I was pretty much an only child. I have right. half siblings, but I right. was pretty much raised by myself. Right. And did you get picked on a lot when you were a kid? What'd you get picked on for? Um, I don't think I was. I mean, that's I good. I, I, I kind of lucked out, actually. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, you know, everyone gets teeth at some point, but, but I yeah. never got like you know severe yeah. harassment there's nobody that you're like i'll show that asshole no. <laughs> no but uh when you got to la what are some of the jobs that you had when you were like doing your thing because you mentioned before we yeah. started that you used to work at different like bookstore i did which is no longer there it was the That's gay so bookstore sad. and i used to, i did readings there a number of times and it was i like, loved that job that was that was probably like my favorite just job job that, right. I, that I had just because, like, the, you know, the manager was so great, and, and it was so nice working in in that environment and, you know, being on the strip in West Hollywood as a young gay boy. Like, <laughs> what, um, what, what are your favorite memories of Different Light? Because um, you guys used to do cool events and, like, 
Yeah, I remember be, doing readings there and also going to readings and seeing people like Armistead Maupin or... Yeah, it was, um, it was really cool just meeting all, all the people that would come through and right. like, you know do readings or, or talks or, or sign books or whatever. Yeah. You know, I became good friends with Clive Barker after... There you like, go. ...several times that he came in there. It was great. How, um, how many years did you work there? Four years. Wow. Yeah. And is it, was it while you were in school or after? It was... Yeah, I started school like about two years into working there. Okay. Yeah. And then... You carried on. Yeah, and then as soon as I graduated, I, I started working as a musician. So That's great. What's the ran- most random musician job you've ever had? Have you ever played, like, <laughs> weird auditions or... Yeah, I mean, the, the the first one that popped into my mind when you said that was I played for Alan Thicke. That's amazing. Um, the, was it the um, Growing Pains? Yeah. Is that what he... He wrote that. He wrote the theme from Growing Pains. Yeah, and, and so I, I played that for him in this, like, random internet webisode of something i don't even know what it was but right. i just got called this random call to like play this song for alan thick it was it was weird that's so cool <laughs> but it was fun you know and is it online somewhere could we find it i'm sure it is i, I want to see alan thick singing the growing pains yeah yeah and then you're back there behind the keyboards yeah it was crazy and the funny thing i wasn't even actually playing i was right. pretending to play no. to a track okay <laughs> so you were you were you were yeah. you were just there to act like a piano player yeah all right, and be charming and not upstage Alan Thicke too much. Yeah, uh, that's impossible. He, he's a character. <laughs> now, I know as performers that sometimes you'll catch somebody in the audience will catch your eye and you're like, oh, who's that? Now, uh-huh. do you ever have that happen when you're playing yeah, in sure. the show? Yeah. And do you ever, are you able to do anything about it or? Uh, well, I mean, I generally. drink over to table seven. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I generally don't pursue things yeah. like that. I, I just sort of leave it at the, you know, cross the room, you know. The cross the moon moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that's, that's fine. I mean, I know most of the time <clears throat> anything happening is just like a. It's not a reality. It also seems like, it, for the record, there's like a bar scene. And it seems like people hang out after. It seems like there's yeah. a real social aspect to you guys and the way yeah. people hang out. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Say? I mean, yeah. that's that's a huge part of why we're so such a family. Is like we've always been in this situation where it's not like a theater where like, okay, you know, pack up your shit and get out. Right. Like, you know, everybody hangs out and we all drink and, you know, we all go to, you know, someone's house for like a little after party. And, you know, we're constantly planning events. But, yeah, it's a very social atmosphere. Right, and 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 it's good for um, the audience too because they get to hang out and meet the cast. Yeah, and, and they're every, always really friendly. Like yeah. it, I, I remember the first time I said, anytime I complimented somebody afterwards, they were like, "Oh, thank you so much!" Like they really seem like yeah, happy to hear it and grateful. Nobody's like. Oh, God, it's this weirdo away from me. Yeah. Well, I, I think they're very appreciative, especially because you know, for the record, so unique in that it, it's, you know, it's. As a performer, you're so exposed. Yeah. You know, you're, you're so uh, uh, naked up there on stage because you're, the audience is so close. You can see everybody's face right. and hear everything anyone says. You know, yeah. like it's it's not like a, a proscenium where you can kind of just block them out or they get right. lost in the dark. That was my character. There's something yeah. very personal about it is, you know, what so they're creating to have someone like come up to you and, and, you know, people are usually very moved or, or you know, thrilled by these shows. So the enthusiasm is, is it's nice. It's nice to yeah. receive that. What was the first music that you bought when you were growing up? The very first, um, well, I remember I grew up on records. Of course. <laughs> records rock. So I listened to a lot of randomly Liberace records, because okay. that's what my parents had, and oldies records. Did Liberace sing, or was it just all piano? I think it was all piano. Okay. That's all, that's all I remember, anyway. And what did you say after Liberace? I got hung oh, up on and the- then uh, a bunch of oldies records. Yeah. 
like from I, the 50s and 60s and yeah so. yeah like yeah. rock and robin like that okay really, yeah, era and then i had some cassette tapes you know i listened to highlights of family opera wow and then my and 80s loved 80s music 80s music I went to see Spandau Ballet recently in concert, uh-huh. which I talked about probably on this thing because it was my dream. They were my favorite. But before the show, they they kept playing all those sort of British invasion songs. Yeah. Duran Duran, ABC, um, Something About You. And there was something about the sounds mm-hmm. that were still really pleasing. Yeah. But if you listen to some of the American music from the 80s, I can't, the sounds of them drive me crazy, like Starship. I can't oh, yeah. listen to that sound, but the that British Invasion '80s sound mm-hmm. is still delicious, and it's not yeah. just nostalgia; it's delicious. It translates well. Well, I mean, now especially with like bands like Daft Punk, like it, yeah. it's that's it's coming back. You know, like people are actually finding those original instruments and using them. Yeah, yeah but there was that other side of the '80s. Yeah, that <laughs> Michael Bolton, where it's the sound of things were just like. Mm-hmm. I can't with it. It doesn't translate as well. But yeah. that stuff holds up yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So you were big into that. Who was your 80s band that you loved? Uh, I just, I didn't have one. I just had like this 80s compilation cassette right. tape that I, I just listened to over and over again. It, you know, my favorite song was, I think it was Roxanne by Toto. Right on. <laughs> it was like my, that was my jam. Okay. Yeah. And my very first CD was a Cirque du Soleil CD. Actually. Cirque du Soleil? Yeah. Because they have such great music. They have shows. great music. And I, I once dated a guy... And that was his uh, nookie jam. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I remember him putting it on, putting it on. Yeah, I can see that. that but I think it was the video, though. And I know. Oh, that's hilarious. I mean, but it does put a lot of pressure on a person to, like, <laughs> you know, I don't know, levitate or something. <laughs> yeah, it's very intense. Yeah. Very that's so. That's so funny. Now, um, let me see. You picked some questions from the Aspiration deck. Okay, now, so, now I'm scared. I know. You picked them. <laughs> Um, let's start with an easy one. Okay. Do you have any scars or tattoos with stories? Now you've got a, a tattoos clearly. You yes. have a tattoo sleeve situation, but it's not a full. It's not like a sleeve sleeve. Break yeah, it down. yeah, it's a little. Well, I mean, on the lower half of my arm, there's a bunch of ravens, and it's just based on a few poems that I really loved. You know, like yeah. the Raven by um, Edgar Allan Poe, of course, and then Sympathy by um, Dunbar, and then there's a Maya Angelou poem called. Um, I know why the cage bird sings. Yeah. It's sort of all, all those sort of bird poems. I really love the, the imagery. Um, I've got a tiger tattoo on my leg. Okay. That's nice. Um, again, based on a poem, the, the tiger by William Blake. Do you read a lot of poetry? No, I don't. I don't read any. (laughs) Like if somebody said, who's your favorite poet? I don't, I got nothing. Yeah. Me neither. But, but a few cool. stuck with me from school. Did they hurt getting your tattoos, or were they cool? Uh, it's it's fine. I mean, you know, there was one on, on my upper arm that took six and a half hours. And wow. That, you know, it was exhausting, but it's okay. It's definitely not as painful as a piercing. I, have you had piercings? <laughs> I have my nipple pierced. Okay, and it hurt. It, I almost passed out. Was it worth it? I would never do it again, but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a payoff to it, or was it yeah. just an aesthetic or a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. Well, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's more just an aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more than an aesthetic. Well, it's, yes. it's, for me, it's just an aesthetic. Oh, for you, it's just an yeah, aesthetic. Yeah. Here's what I think about tattoos. When I see people, I've never had one, and I, I like them, I think they're sexy, but I've never had the moment where I want one. Mm-hmm. But I think when people get one, they have to be feeling good about where they are. <laughs> Don't they? You would hope so. I would think, right? Yeah. I think that there's something hopeful about getting a tattoo. Well, and it's also, 
I mean, people have different approaches to it, but for me, if I get a tattoo, it's, it's, it, it's, I mean, obviously you're going to live with it for the rest of your life. So it needs to be something that represents something very permanent in me, very, very like unchanging about me. Not something that, that I feel in that particular moment that might change. And something that's very years. innate to you, something that's, exactly. gonna, it's not, and also I think you have to be in a place in your life where you, you're probably not freaked out about the rent or what am I going to do? Like you, you kind of mm-hmm. have to feel like I'm in this for a while and, yeah. Although I, I've I've been very spontaneous with pet tattoos before. But you but you've always been happy when you were getting them. You never got oh, yeah. them from a state of sadness. Definitely. Or not. fear. Yeah, no, it's always it's always you, very You know. Yeah, yeah, like I don't know what's gonna happen in my life, I'm in a panic, but I'm gonna get a tattoo. I don't think no that happens. Way. No way. Not for so me. whenever I see people covered with tattoos, I'm like, they must have had a lot of days where they they felt huh. safe in the world. I, I like that. I like, I'm going through I, some shit. No, I, I, think <laughs> it's, I think it's definitely, uh, definitely true. And what's the one that you have on your wrist there? These are a pair. It says Carpe Diem. Oh, nice. All right. There we go. Seize the day. <laughs> uh, where's the coolest place you've ever gotten to go for work? Um, well, Montreal was my favorite. That city is really cool. It's so fun. It, yeah. It, and I love that they speak French. Yeah. Do you speak French? <laughs> I I mean a little bit, right. not enough to really have a conversation, right. <clears throat> but I can understand a few things. Okay, but it's, I just love the city; it's such a great vibe. And we're going to Germany later this year, which I'm really excited about. With which show? Uh, John Hughes is being installed onto a Norwegian cruise line ship. Oh, how that's amazing! Yeah, a brand new ship. That's amazing. That launches from Germany, so we go in. October. You know, I used to be a cruise ship performer. Oh yeah. Yes. <clears throat> Can I go back and be the principal? Please. I need something. <laughs> I, yeah, no, that's amazing. So is it kind of as the way it is, or are you, are you guys having to change it a lot? Uh, it's going to be pretty much the way it is. I, I mean, we might tweak a couple of things just depending on, you know, the space. Right, or, of course. Or, you know, the particular performance we have. But for the most part, it'll, it'll be the show that we are, we're doing now. That's amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Good for you. That's a exciting. great new market for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a good it's a good place for, for John Hughes. I mean, our, our shows exist well in different markets, and I think John yeah. Hughes is... Is perfect for nostalgia thing. Yeah, yeah. Do people dress up when they come? Do they yeah, show they up do. in like a lot prom of stuff? Do. Or yeah. like like you know very eighties. I love know, it. The big hair and the you the know, whole thing. Neon. I love it. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what's the worst job you ever had? I was a personal assistant for a flautist. Wow. Um, but I, I realized. You know, I was I was only doing that for about two months, but I realized like a couple weeks into it that he didn't really need a personal assistant. He right. just had a lot of money and wanted company. He lived in this huge. Was house. he lonely? Yeah, I think he was maybe a little lonely. But like, did he this, get his money from flouting? No, he was like an investment realtor or right. something. Uh, but he was a really good flautist. I heard right. him like playing and practicing in the mornings. He was really good. Yeah, but like you know, I was half business personal assistant and half personal personal assistant right and some of the stuff that i would have to do i was just like the, i think the last straw was when he asked me to um siphon the water out of the pond in the backyard because it you know we needed to clean the pond but like he didn't have like a water pump so he had to do like the old-fashioned way with like a, a hose and like you know sucking on one end of the hose i'm like i am i cannot do this this is you that's vile. so you were sucking <laughs> off the, ho- the water to get i, it tr- out I try i couldn't i couldn't like i was i was literally about to vomit it was so good. That wasn't going to happen. You're <laughs> like, over I'm, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. I think that's it. What would you like to do on a job that you haven't gotten to do yet? I really want to direct a choir. That's like my wow. dream is to have a like to arrange and, and, and arrange for and direct a choir. That's so cool. Yeah. I just, I love. Do you like the, the harmonies and the different yes. voices and stuff like that? Like, you know, a, a bunch of voices together. Like that is, that is the best 
that's like the most pleasing sound in my ears. And I love playing with like very, you know, different dissonances and, and chord progressions and, you know, textures. Cause you can do so much with the voice and then right. you have like a hundred people doing all this really cool stuff. It's so powerful. That's so it. cool. Were you in choir growing up? I, I was in college. Yeah. 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 I, I got to go on a choir tour. I was in the Arizona Statesman at Arizona State. And then we went on a tour to England, Scotland and Wales and, I, I don't, I haven't sung in that four-part mm-hmm. world in a long time. Mm-hmm. I always thought maybe when I'm, you know, I can be in the gay men's chorus at some yeah. point or something. Yeah, great. It'd be cool. Yeah. yeah I like that. Um, if you had to change careers tomorrow, what would you pursue? I just say that because I'm looking for ideas. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm fresh out of ideas at this point, and it's I'm stealing a, from other people. I think about this all the time, and I have, like, this laundry list of, like, other lives that I, I would Oh, I good. Would then you can spare some. Yeah. I okay. mean, like, I, I really love um, astronomy, so I would love to, like, ex- be an astronomer and explore, like, the universe. Okay. I love um, math and physics, and, you know, I would love to be, like, a quantum physicist. I'd love to be a dancer. I'd love to be a chef. Wow. Yeah. Well, I have thoughts for you on these things. Okay. For my birthday last year, a group of us went to Mount Wilson Observatory. Do you mm-hmm. know where that is? Uh-uh. It's up north of, like, Pasadena. Oh, okay. oh there. So it's close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, we got, you can, with a group, you can rent it out or whatever, the the 600-foot telescope. What? Or the sixty foot telescope, whatever. Yeah. It's like the biggest thing. And then there's a person that leads you through, and they and they move it all around, and they tell you everything uh-huh. that you're seeing. And she's very eccentric. Her name was um, <laughs> I, I can't remember her name. Why can't I remember her name? But her, her um, she's Rain Pryor's mother. So she was married to Richard Pryor, okay. and she was kind of had these. And but she would break down everything that we were seeing and uh-huh. the moon, and then everyone would take turns. And go look through the thing. Anyway, you should look into that. Oh, my gosh. That's super cool. What is it called? Mount what? Mount Wilson Observatory. Mount Wilson. Okay, I'm definitely going to do that. Yeah, I, I might have the link or something I can that send you. That sounds awesome. And what kind of dancing do you like to do? Because, you know, I have a dance crew that I hang with. Oh, really? Yes, it's so fun. What, Groove what, 3. What do you do? It's like hip-hop style. But it's not <laughs> that. It's very accessible. It's like a yeah. community. It's super fun. I mean, I love Would it you all. come to a class? Yeah. I would I, you would love it. Yeah. They had I, the grand opening of their new space on... Um, on uh, Friday night. I'm okay. so proud of them. Benjamin Allen is my good friend. He founded it. And they got this new space called the Beatbox, and they had the grand opening the other night. Okay. It was disco-themed. Come on. It was... <laughs> and the, I got there early because I was lending Benji 70s clothes, which I happen to have, uh-huh. uh, for the thing. And they were doing the toast to the, like, just people that had been working in the space. And uh-huh. we're going to have a toast to celebrate the first night in this space. And I was like... I was in a Step Up movie when we had that toast. <laughs> it was really beautiful. The point is, dance is cool. I love it. Okay. Um, what's the most trouble you ever got in in school? Ooh, this is, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't actually get in trouble from the school, but it, it was sort of like one of my most shameful moments from school. It was when I was in college the first time. And, I, you know, this is like my experimental drug phase. Okay. And it was it, it, the first time I'd ever tried LSD. Okay. <clears throat> and I accidentally took a little too much and just, like, had, you know, the longest trip in the world. But the ne- the point is, the next day, I was supposed to play piano for one of my fellow students who was a vocalist. He had an event that day. Oh, shit. Sure. It was, like, one song or something like that. Right. And, and we it's not hit. Alan Thicke. You can't just pantomime it. Yeah, I know, right? Well, I didn't even go. I just, I just didn't show up because I was... I was just 
imagine tripping out of, yeah. out of my mind. What's it, like, it like to trip on LSD? Do you, do you, <laughs> do you hallucinate? Uh, or do you feel light? Or I never really hallucinated. I, mean, I ended okay. up doing it a lot like back in the day. But I never really hallucinated. It was more just like... I can't even describe the feeling. It's just like, you know, turning the, the, the colors of the world up to like, you know, the highest yeah. frequency, you know, like on every level and every experience, you just are like, everything's overexposed. You right. know, all of your emotions, all of your thoughts. It's like an Instagram filter on everything. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just like, everything's like, you know, it's, wow. it's crazy, but it, you know, that I, it had its day and that, that I felt terrible. You missed your gig. So bad. I just did I can't even imagine like what he was doing, just like standing there, like waiting for his accompanist to show up. Yeah, like a never scene out again. of Whiplash or something. Yeah, I know. Did he forgive you? Oh no, he never talked to me again. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, if he's listening, <laughs> we really feel bad about that. Much better now. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see if I have any other things. No, I think these are good. All right. Um, awesome. What are your dreams for the For the Record uh, franchise? How do you want it to grow? Where do you see it going? I mean, we we. We have so many ideas. I mean, not only just of other directors we yeah, want to like do. Yeah, like who else is, would you do? I mean, we've talked about Cameron Crowe. We've talked oh, about yeah. Wes Craven. Cameron Crowe. We've talked about Woody Allen. Yes. We've talked about Spike Lee. I mean, we, we've we've talked about all of them. Right. <laughs> we've talked about even expanding it, you know, beyond directors to do more like like themes and like the Bond movies. Yes. Or, or, or Bond would be amazing. I don't know, like the Twilight series. You know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I don't, don't want to like it's a little, put this stuff out there, but yeah. Um, but even even just within our current catalog of shows, you know, there's so much more that we that we want and can do if, you know, given the time and the money right. to actually do it. And we're getting closer and closer every time, you know, we get, you know, a little, you know, another piece of the puzzle. Um, just, you know, of creating that immersive environment, right. you know, and, and controlling, uh, not controlling, but like, you know, uh, sort of... Um, well, yeah, I guess controlling every element of the experience that an audience member has from before they even walk in the door. Well, from the website to the to the social yeah. media thing to the everything. Yeah, I mean, there's so, and even just in the actual space and in the show, there's so much more you can do. Right. But you know, I mean, we're very like we're constantly we have a lot of ideas between the three, the four of us, really. So I mean, even outside of for the record, you know, our our, our company at Astra, uh, you know, we'll probably eventually start doing other things that aren't for the record it's so yeah. cool that's yeah. what a cool thing you've created well thank you i know that with something that looks like amazing from the outside there must have been like really tough times where it yeah. looked like everything was falling apart and <laughs> like what was some of the struggles what were some of the low points or like well yeah i mean selling tickets has always been a challenge i mean we've been very fortunate this year where it seems to have started to like take on you know momentum of its own but you know just trying to get people to come out and see things that's like, one of the reasons i wanted to t do this because i went and i was knocked out like i'd heard it was happening yeah but like i don't think you know until you go that's the thing how it's like, awesome it is yeah and that's a lot of people say that and a lot of people you know are like you know my friend made me come out tonight and i'm so glad i did you know like that's th I mean, I, it's like a discovery. Way. You discover something. It's not yeah. just like, oh, that was a nice show at that room. Yeah. It was like, oh no, this is a thing. Well, I mean, even just like going out in general, you know, yeah. and, and like supporting live theater, supporting you know, live anything of people doing their art for you, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's so valuable, and I think we've just gotten into this era of like, you know, sitting at home on our laptops and experiencing the world through a screen. That's like we've. It, we have to like work harder to like retrain ourselves to go and experience things, you know, in person. Right. Yeah. You know, I think it's very valuable. 
Now, you, so you're saying it took a while to get the ticket sales going. Well, you know, it's like, like you that. know, there's like slumps, you know, yeah. and it, sometimes there's, there's a night where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like we only have like 60 people in the house, like what's going to happen? And, right. Um, you know, I mean, so that ticket sales are hard and then also just, you know, it's, it's just hard. like to put these shows together is difficult. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, it's, it's a, it's a long journey from the minute we decide what we're doing and we start looking at the soundtracks to like when it opens yeah, <laughs> and it's not, it's not easy, but it's, it's fun. Do you usually rehearse in the space or do you yeah. have to, okay, yeah. that's cool. What, do you love the arranging part? I do. I really, yeah. really do. I mean, you, where you're, is there a point where they're like, all the songs are chosen and you're like, okay guys, let me just, I got it from here for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much yeah. what happens. Like, you know, once Shane and Anderson and I sort of agree on the overall scope of the piece and right. the playlist, you know, we then go off to our separate corners and Anderson will start, you know, adapting the script. I'll start making the musical arrangements and then Shane will start doing the, you know, producerial things and, and the marketing elements. And then, you know, we, we check in with each other and, and help, you know, continue the, the guiding of, of the show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is that point when I'm just sort of like holed up in my, in my bedroom in my working on arrangements. That's cool. What was one of your most memorable for the record nights where it was just so special? Somebody came... Something happened. I don't know. I mean, you know, anytime one of the directors comes, that that's that's a very memorable night because yeah. that's like the ultimate test. You yeah. know, like if if they have a great time. I mean, one of the great greatest things, greatest compliments was when Baz came to see yeah. her, his show. His show. Um, he was like, you know, you guys have done something that I thought was impossible. He's like, you've you've turned me into an audience member again. You know, because, like, being a filmmaker and being on the other side of it, you you tend to sort of get into this, like, analytical, constantly, like, you know, Your mind never stops. Yeah, you're always doing, yeah. And he said, like, and especially to say that, you know, about seeing his own work, that he said he felt like he was just able to just sit back and just enjoy. And, like, that part of him just wasn't on. Like, he was just having an experience of his own material. He said it was very, you know, I can't remember exact words, but he had that... He had a great time. <laughs> did, you, did you talk to him personally did, about yeah, the yeah. music he Because I'm curious as how he chooses music. Like that elephant love medley. Like, who, on, on paper, it sounds silly. And it's I magical. Know, right? It really is. We didn't get to talk to him in, 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 in depth. depth. You know, he, he was yeah. more just like meeting with the whole cast and, and crew after the right. show. And, and, you know, he was able to say a few words. And he was talking about, you know, how Strictly Ballroom is becoming a musical. Yeah. Know, which now it is. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I I would love to actually talk to these directors more about you know their how they choose their music. Tarantino has uh, talked a lot about in interviews how he yeah. oftentimes will start with a song, same thing like Scorsese, right. and develop a scene around, or to even develop like you know a whole portion of the movie or plot point around a song. Right, and it's so apparent. Like when you watch those movies, it's like they're so you know married together. Like, yeah, that's what I love working on these shows is there something also for you about you know the, the creation of it and the arranging must be fun but is there something fun about just like i gotta go do my show tonight and be on stage and be around all that energy yeah does it like lift you up and make you high yeah absolutely it never gets old and does it take a while to come down afterwards are you kind of a night owl uh no i am very much a morning person so okay. like you know i i'm i'm great for the duration of the show but then it's you know 15 minutes later when i've pulled into my driveway I'm yeah like all right. I I'm crash. done. I'm done. All right. Yeah. So you don't need to go tear it up. No. Nope. <laughs> right. Well, I want everyone to go see these shows. So tell people how they can learn more about it. Uh, I know there's the website. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the record, live.com. 
Yeah, and everything will be there. Yeah, and whether there. and if yes, you happen to be going to another city, mm-hmm. all that info will be there and all of that stuff there. Now, are you on Twitter or any of that stuff yourself? Uh-huh. Yeah, my handle on most things is uh, Stealing Fire. Stealing Fire? Yeah, like taking it. Stealing Why do you fire. steal fire? Uh, it's, it's a reference to that uh, Greek myth of Prometheus. Yeah. And what was his deal? Well, he, you know, uh, back in the day, the, right. they believed that, that the, uh, the, um, the gods of Olympus had... Uh, had seen how, you know, mankind was progressing too rapidly, you know, for their tastes, I guess. Right. And so they withheld fire from mankind. I mean, fire literally, like, so they couldn't um, cook or, or, or warm themselves or, or, you know, create things, uh, but also figuratively, like, gain wisdom and knowledge. It's, you know, symbol for knowledge. So Prometheus, being one of the co-creators of mankind, he helped yeah. actually form them from clay. He took sympathy on them, and he... Uh, you know, broke into Mount Olympus and stole the fire back from the gods and gave it back to mankind. And so that's why he's sort of like my my mythological hero. Right. Because he's all about um, uh, giving information and wisdom and, and empowering people, you know. Yeah. And helping uh, helping other people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Last question. Mm-hmm. What What does music mean to you? <laughs> wow last question i know just oh something big and deep we want to send him home with something big and deep i mean I, I will tell you this from my own experience because i've i've done some music in my life um it's been a part of it of all the things that i do and i i put it away and don't do it for a while <clears throat> it's the one that is the it has the short circuit to my soul mm-hmm. in a way that writing prose or interviews or whatever doesn't i mean they're all they are connected but that one's like boom like a mainlining situation. Yeah. I feel like it kind of can cut right to the emotions. I agree. I, I think it's a way uh, uh, of communicating with each other and with ourselves that, um, that cannot be done any other way. You know, right. like it, it can only, there's certain things that can only be said through music. And I'm not even just talking about the lyrics. I'm talking about like through the actual sound of music. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> the, the hills are alive with it. <laughs> exactly. Do songs make you cry? Um, or music makes you, I'll cry in a musical yeah. for no good reason. Yeah. Like when somebody just starts singing or something's really beautiful or all the elements come together, mm-hmm. I'll start crying. Yeah. It, it happens to me sometimes, you know, especially if people really know how to use music to sort of like tug on certain emotional strings. Right. You know, not, not in a gratuitous way, but in a, in a very like genuine and, and, and cathartic way. Right. You know, they, they, they're speaking to something that you understand but you've never been able to give a voice to, and you're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, and you right. somehow put that on a violin. You right, know? it's beautiful. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the show. Everyone should go see it. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, and um, it's been a real pleasure. Thanks. All right, thanks. Bye. Thanks again to Christopher Lloyd Bratton. If you're in L.A. and you haven't seen any of the For the Record shows, go do it. Learn more at fortherecordlive.com. All right, so this happened. I'm just going to do a little part two to the last story I told last week where I fainted and um, flooded my bathroom and broke a picture frame. So um, I had the plumber come to see to fix it because, you know, I fell over my toilet and, and, and somehow started a flood. And I thought there was a chance that I broke the hose or something or a chance that I just undid it and it's a simple adjustment and it would make me feel like an idiot when he goes, all you have to do is go like this. No, it turns out that um, I did break uh, the hose uh, in two places and a new part was needed. So I felt good about that. At least it was like a legitimate plumber call. And he also pointed out to me 
two cracks in my toilet. So somehow when I fell, I broke the toilet and broke the hose. I don't know. It's the most horrifying thing that has ever happened to me, I think. And luckily I wasn't there for it. So uh, we, we got the toilet fixed and we're back in action. And I got a new frame to go where that other one was. And I didn't like the color of the original frame with the new paint. So anyway, new frame. It's new thing. And I'm going to put an end to... That's the end of the chapter of fainting and not being well. I decided. New frame. On to, uh, onward and upward. And because uh, it can't really get worse than um, hugging your toilet during a flood. All right. Um, if you just listened to this podcast and not part one of that crazy story, then you might want to check out the previous podcast uh, to get up to date. Although it's not that good of a story. Anyway, that's it. Thank you all for listening. And we'll join. Uh, we'll hope you join us next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye.